Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our um, Facebook Live and Live Healthy Gut Podcast interview with Dr. Alison Seebecker. Welcome to our Facebook Live and Podcast, Alison. Thank you. <laughs> So great to be back with you. Yeah, well, it's really exciting to be able to put on a, a Facebook Live event with you and also this live recording. And I and I have to kind of celebrate this. It is the 101st episode of the Healthy Gut Podcast. It's actually the final episode of season three. It's really lovely to have you back in the show. You've been a really regular guest on the podcast. You were my very first guest I ever recorded. And uh, and here you are again to take us out for season three. And it is just so wonderful to have you on the show. So thanks for coming on. It's such an honor for me. And big congratulations to you. 101 episodes, 101 yeah times you've helped educate people about SIBO and hopefully it's helped so many. Well, I know it has. I get wonderful messages from people saying, thank you so much. Your podcast has really um, helped me learn so much about my condition. And, you know, this is something that I remember when I very first met you all those years ago, when I decided to fly to the States on my own to attend the SIBO Symposium on my own, not knowing a single person that was going to be there and hoping that I would meet you because I was just so interested in the work that you did. Um, and I, I had the wonderful chance to actually meet you. Um, and I remember chatting to you and saying, you know, I just have this compelling um, desire to put out as much information as I can to help people with SIBO so they can learn more and they can be empowered um, by their own condition and, you know, really be advocates for their own health. And you and I had a lengthy conversation about our mutual passion to help people and educate people. And so the Healthy Gut podcast has really been able to do that. And I'm really excited to be able to share some news about something you're doing around that space as well. But it's, yeah, it's great to get information out there that can really help people 
do more. And I tell you what, being um, armed with so much more information about my own health has really enabled me to get such better health outcomes than if I hadn't have done any of this work. So um, yes, a big thanks to you. Knowledge, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power brings us to success yes now for those of you who are watching live and I can see a whole bunch of you have jumped on live to watch um, this is an interactive live Q&A with Dr Alison Seebecker so do put your comments in the question box um, and then I will do my very best to get as many of them answered today uh, so you know please feel free to to ask a question just a reminder though that we don't delve into kind of very personal medical cases because Dr Alison Seebecker it doesn't know your medical history, but we can talk more generally, more broadly about questions. So just um, if you can remember that when you post those questions. Um, so one of the things that I think is one of the most frustrating experiences for a SIBO patient is when they go to a doctor and they say, I think I've got SIBO, I've read about it, or I've you know attended one of the um, many webinars, or I've listened to the Healthy Gut podcast, I'd really like to get tested for it. And their doctor is quite quite dismissive and says, oh, SIBO is not a thing. The tests aren't accurate. You've just got IBS or it's nothing. It's all in your head. What do we do? Like, what, do you have any, any suggestions for, for the patient? Because I know you get many of them oh. coming to you going, oh, <laughs> I'm frustrated. Well, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating when that happens on all sides. Um, I have a few thoughts. So the first thought is maybe try to find, I know this might sound mean, maybe it's time to try to find a different doctor. That's one thought, okay? Um, and I only, I only say that, I have other thoughts, but I only say that because there are so many well-trained uh, practitioners in SIBO who work online at distance. So there are viable options for people. Uh, I don't know the regulations in for Australia or UK listeners, but in the US, uh, typically we cannot prescribe if we haven't seen you in person. But there are so many natural supplements that don't need a prescription. Um, there, at least in the US, I, I think it's I think in Australia you can actually order your own breath test. So if you got somebody, yeah. So if if you got somebody who's at distance, they can advise and you can implement without. A local prescribing doctor and so that's that's one of the things that I would think about I, and it's only for people I mean now that now that we all ha are dealing with COVID most platforms uh, most physicians and such have moved to telemedicine so it's it's more acceptable now but it I just think many people don't think if it, of doing it if like oh if someone isn't in their insurance plan or something like that but uh, if if you're not getting the help you need then that's an option now, um, some other options are uh, trying, of course, to educate your your practitioner. That's tricky because this depends upon the uh, the type of person they are and their ego and your relationship with them. But you know, my my first option might sound cruel. It's like, well, forget them. Well, no, you can certainly try working with them. <laughs> so you can bring in articles. You can bring in information in you know, the way that you approach someone is going to have to be tailored to their style. Um, there are there are doctors who will find it uh, threatening. There are doctors who will find it exciting. 
right? So, I mean, one would think, though, if they're going, no, this is all bunk, they might already have a little something against it. But, you know, one thing you could think of doing is saying, I understand, you know, I understand that. I'm not questioning that. It's just that I know so many people who've gone through this type of treatment that that is said that it's for SIBO who have had benefit. And I'd like to try that treatment. So in and you could say something like, to me, it doesn't even matter if we're saying it's SIBO. It's, it's just that I have very similar symptoms in case to people I know who've gone through these types of treatments and had help. And I'd like to try it. So sometimes taking away the like the name can help. I, I find that often because I myself personally really don't care what we call it. Uh, like the name SIBO doesn't matter to me. And if somebody feels more comfortable calling that IBS, no problem. I don't care what you call it. I know what the symptoms are. I know what this condition is and I know what treatments it responds to. So call it whatever you want. And that will often help, you know, that like just it's like, okay, fine, it's IBS, but there are these new treatments that are being used. So, um, so that, that's a thought. And then the, the, um, the third thought I have is you were just mentioning that we have a lot of educational pathways that we're both offering. And I currently right now have my, um, I have a course for patients and a course for practitioners, uh, that I've made and I currently have them on sale right now. It's like my, my uh, third quarter launch. And, um, that's another thought is that if you are a patient is that, I pretty much created a whole course to help you to be able to DIY, <laughs> do it yourself. And so I would always prefer that somebody does work with a practitioner. But if you really cannot find a way to do that, there's so much you can do yourself. And I actually, you know, gosh, I guess it's 10 years ago now, created a free educational website um, just on SIBO with that in mind. That was really the goal was to get the information to people so they could help themselves. Because back then, no one knew what it was. So I knew that you could go to your doctor and, and not get the help you needed. So I have doses on there. I have treatments on there. That's just my website. But then I have a whole, uh, you know, at least for patients, um, if that's who we're talking about, a whole course where you can do it yourself. Of course, I have also one for practitioners. That's another thought. If your practitioner was open, you could say, if you're interested, you know, in, there's a whole CME course. It all depends on your relationship. That could be very um, <laughs> bothersome to them. But if you're, you know, if you have a good, good relationship, you might be able to suggest that sometimes doctors are excited. So those, those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts. And by the way, about those courses, uh, Rebecca, I'm sure you'll have the links for those uh, posted somewhere. Yeah, I will be sharing them, and uh, and I'd love to ask some more information. Um, and one of and before I do about the courses, I think um, one of the other things that I've done um, is, you know, been just been really honest with my my practitioners. Um, I have a um, we call them GPs in in the states. There, you know, you you call them primary care physicians. Um, and she's been very honest with me and said, I don't really know anything about the gut. I, it really wasn't an area of study for me. And so just slowly but surely, I have been educating her. Whenever I've gone in, I've talked to her. One of the really interesting things is that, um, you know, I've, I, I'm so interested in the body that I regularly just get tests done to see how I'm performing. And she's seen remarkable changes with my blood work when um, with my SIBO treatment and my gut, just the general work I've done on the gut health and my gut um, repair. And that has triggered more interest with her because she's like, wow, I've never seen changes like that in sh such a short period of time. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, 
I'm dealing with SIBO and I'm treating SIBO and I'm working with my gut and I'm working with the naturopath. And so it's been quite interesting that when I've been able to get some good data around my own body, that it's also helped get a conversation going so that now she's saying, tell me more, where can I learn more about this? I can, I've got a whole bunch of patients that I would call IBS patients that I'm now questioning, is it really IBS? So it, you know, if they're perhaps resistant at the start, it doesn't mean they will always be if they've at least got an open mind. And that's been really nice for me to take my own doctor along this journey with me and to be able to be more open with her. One of the other things I, that you know, I did... You know, Rebecca, I just, mm. I just want to say that that is that it's the sign that she's, she's a good doctor is that she actually cares and is interested in the fact that you're doing something that she didn't tell you to do <laughs> that's helping you. And that's a good sign. And I think what so many people face is the opposite. You, you know, I hear these stories all the time. You go in and you say, look, I did this and I'm better. And, and they show no interest. And really, I think that's because of busyness, honestly. And so that's just one other tip. And I know you're going to have another one is it. We often have to have to sort of get or encourage our doctors to work for us. I mean, I've had the same experience as a patient because they're so busy and overwhelmed we sort of need to take the reins and, you know, shock them back into, not really shock, but I mean, you know, bring them back into, I want to do tests. I want to investigate this. I want to figure this out. Or, you know, I'm interested in trying treatments for this and just encourage them to put the effort in for you. One of the things that I do regularly with my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients is um, we, and you talked about this just before, we get a good personality fit. And because I, through the podcast and through all the work I've been doing, I've had the wonderful fortune of being able to meet so many different SIBO practitioners and get to know so many of you that I've really got to know personality styles. And, and I'll say to my coaching clients, now, what kind of person do you like dealing with? Do you like someone that's really direct, really forthright, um, you know, says it as it is, doesn't mince their words, or do you need someone that's very soft and caring and like a warm hug, or do you need a male doctor? Do you need a female doctor? You know, we I start to kind of build a bit of a profile around the type of person that they feel will give be the right personality fit, and then I give them, you know, well, here are the doctors that I know that fit that that kind of category or many of those requirements that you have, so that then they're at least on, I guess ahead of the curve in the sense that they're going to doctors that I've already met, I know, I have some kind of relationship with them. And from a personality perspective, um, they might be a better fit for them. And I've seen that work really well um, because if you are somebody that is feeling really fragile, and this is really common amongst the people I work with, they're, they're sick, they've been disbelieved for a long time, Perhaps their family are even thinking, huh, like, what's going on? Are you just a little bit of a looney tune? And then um, you've got a doctor who perhaps is so busy that they come across as dismissive that you just feel really downtrodden, that if you can then get to a doctor that knows the gut and is caring and uh, perhaps a little bit more gentle in their approach, it can it can give you the confidence then to believe in yourself to start that healing journey. And I've seen really great improvements when the right fit has occurred with a doctor and a patient. You know, I have to say it's a, it's a pretty rare chronic SIBO patient that wants the quick cut and dry 
you know, tell me what to do and I'm out of here. That works for acute for acute situations where, you know, you, you have some like a, an acute urinary tract infection. Here's this antibiotic. I don't even need to see you again because it's going to be gone in seven days. But anybody who's dealing with anything long term, you're going to need to have a nice relationship where you have where they are more caring. It's a different situation. Yeah, it is. Now, when I met you five years ago in Portland, when I flew over for the conference, I was lamenting the fact that, you know, in Australia, particularly at that time, and even in the US and UK, Europe, SIBO uh, was just so unknown in relative terms. And we talked about, you know, our dreams of educating as many patients and practitioners as possible. And you've talked a little bit about the courses that you've developed, but I would love to hear more about it because I'm so excited that there is now a program (laughs) by Dr. Alison Seebecker, the queen of SIBO, where you can learn all of your knowledge and, and be empowered. So, Let's start with the patient course. Like, what is it? What, what, what as the patient would you get if you um, signed up to your, your program? I'm so intrigued and excited. You're so sweet to ask. <laughs> I know I always feel bad. Like, am I shilling my products here? But, <laughs> but it's a wonderful, wonderful course. I mean, I think so, right? I taught it. So you get, you get video lessons that, that I speak. And I did my patient course with Siobhan Sarna, who's a fellow patient advocate, um, SIBO sort of educator. There's a bunch of us in this sphere and we all, you know, support each other. And so we did it in interview style because it's just a little bit easier, a little bit more accessible to to hear all this information in that form, kind of like what we're doing. So there's videos and then the video lessons are, um, it's all online, are transcribed. You get the transcript. Some people would just prefer to skim or read. Um, that's also very helpful because if you're looking for a specific thing, you can do the search function that you can do on documents. You, I think it's like control F on my computer. It might be different on other people's. So that's helpful. And then you get audio in case, you know, you're having issues with watching videos or, or streaming or something like that. So you get the audio and there's 37 lessons that I do. And the, it's not to try to tell you everything there is about SIBO. What it really is, is we, it's structured around the algorithm that myself and Dr. Sandberg Lewis created a very long time ago. It's an algorithm that was an, um, a variation of Dr. Pimentel's of how to treat IBS with SIBO. And we added some more naturopathic items to it and just added some other things as we've refined our treatment over the year. And it's really, the course is structured around that because it's really meant to be a step-by-step guide of, of how to treat SIBO. And we do also discuss, I discuss trying to identify your underlying causes and how to handle your symptoms because there's a couple layers of SIBO treatment. There's like the symptomatic level, there's head on getting rid of the bacteria, and then there's, well, what's causing all this? So we talk about um, about all those angles. And then we include all kinds of extras. Um, we have cooking classes. You contributed a cooking class to that <laughs> in the course. And uh, we have all these other like master classes I've done. Like for instance, there's one that's like two hours I did on diet that's included. So you just, you kind of just like most anything I've ever done, you you get it in the, in the course. And then I always do whenever I have another like, you know, enrollment period, I, you know, I, I launch it, so to speak, a couple times a year. I add new uh, question and answer sessions so that we really, they're like coaching sessions. Um, but you know, a few of those for the people that have signed up so we can have a little bit of an individual reaction to each other. So, so that's 
that's what it is. And it lives, it lives, you know, online and you always have access to it. So you can rewatch it or, and there's, I've also forgot to mention, there's all kinds of handouts in there. I have handouts you can take to your doctor, various studies, I think would be the key ones to show if you're asking for a certain treatment, um, this supports it. And that has worked for a lot of people. Uh, and there's even like funny things like one time I was talking to people and somebody was asking all about like desserts and cakes or something. And I'm like, I can't even answer your question because are you saying you, you, you haven't had any cake and you're, you're, you think you can't have cake cause you're a SIBO person patient. And I'm like, let me just give you my favorite cake recipes. And so, you know, I put handouts like that in there too. So, <laughs> cause you know, life's too short without cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my birthday this week, by the way, and I had a wonderful cake from a, uh, I, I didn't make it, and my husband didn't make it, I ordered it from a gluten-free bakery that has ingredients I can tolerate, and it was so good. <laughs> so oh, good. wonderful. Well, happy birthday, Alison. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So that one of the questions I, I could just hear people saying is, oh, like, I, how much time does this take? Um, is there a limit to the amount of time you get access to the course? Right. No, no, you have it. You have access forever. And I keep putting updates in there. So for instance, I just put in um, a hydrogen sulfide, which we'll get to a hydrogen sulfide updates, uh, new lesson in into the course. I just put it in there a couple of weeks ago. So as things occur, you'll always be updated. And um, it, uh, what was what was the other question? Sort of how long they have? Oh, oh how much time it takes? How much time? Well, you know, um, that's that's what's kind of nice about it, because it's in uh, smaller chunks. I did that with my patient course too, because it's too daunting to think about listening to just a big long thing. So it's in chunks and everything is titled just as it is. So you can just go pick out whatever it is you want to listen to. And like, for instance, in the symptomatic relief section, obviously, if you're a diarrhea patient, you don't want to listen to the class on constipation, right? So you don't need to. <laughs> so, so, but it was all designed as if you could get through it in a, um, I mean, I think that the bulk of the lessons are something like five hours or something. You, you could get through it a matter of a month if you space it out. Um, but it's it's not overwhelming because you can you can tap into it where you want. Yeah, wonderful. And I must say, I share your symptomatic relief guide handout from your website all the time to people who oh, are like, good. what do I do if I've got constipation? I've got really bad diarrhea. So the fact that you've got actual online classes around that is just so great because it's yeah, amazing I, how as soon as you start implementing that you can really see a difference I mean everybody should should have symptomatic relief you know yeah I think I, I speak for about an, an hour and 15 or maybe more than that maybe an hour more than an hour and 15 minutes taking you through that exact handout of how what are all these remedies and how to apply them you know it's you can't do that in a handout right I mean it's like there's the basic information, but I like to explain it. So yeah. Oh well, yeah. that's really exciting. So we've got that as the patient course, and then you've got a practitioner course. And this is we've had many conversations around. If only we could educate all the practitioners of the world so that they can all know about SIBO. And there's never a SIBO patient ever again that's got a doctor that's like, I don't know what SIBO is. And now you've got a course for the practitioner. So tell me more. That's I am so that is that was like a, a huge goal to get that accomplished because it's a um, I got it certified for continuing education in the U.S. for continuing medical education, which is the highest level. And so, you know, it took me a long time to make sure it was really up to those standards. It was a lot of hard work, but I got it done and I'm so happy. So um, 
So for anyone who is in the U.S. and, and wants uh, continuing education, at least we have that. It's accredited by the ACC ME, which is wonderful. But it's the same format. It's these sort of small chunk video lessons with transcripts and audios. This one has, it's a lot longer. It's uh, 22 hours, and I have guest lectures in there. Like I have Dr. Sandberg Lewis explaining how to stop, if you like, how to help patients stop, get off um, proton pump inhibitors, you know, acid reducers. That's an issue with SIBO. That's not my specialty, so I brought him in to explain how to do that. Um, and, uh, but so there's about, 80, actually really like more like 87 lessons, which I know sounds very daunting, but they're like 10 minutes a piece, you know, 10, 20 minutes for that same purpose. I, I mean, I'm a busy practitioner too. I know what it's like. You, you know, you need to just catch a lesson while you're eating your lunch, you know, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. So um, it's, it's meant to fit around our schedules. Both of them are actually both courses. So uh, same thing. And this one is more complete because I explain all the pathophysiology, the differential diagnosis, um, just you know details of everything, but all from the practitioner perspective. And I don't give any unnecessary science. Um, the science is, this is a bugaboo for me in with classes that I've taken. It, it can be so fun to nerd out, but you know, our time is precious. And so the science that's included is all very specifically like you need it to understand what's going on in your patient and to inform your treatments. So I'm very results oriented, very clinical, practical. Uh, you know, for me, the whole goal is success. So, um, you know, getting people to feel better because I'm a SIBO patient. So that is the key thing. So the whole practitioner course is, is based on that. Lots of like checklists of communication, checklists of things not to forget to tell your patients um, because you, there's so much to do and, you know, we can forget to communicate things and it's just happened to me so many times. So I'm trying to spare people that, <laughs> you know, having that happen to them. So it, it's, um, it's wonderful cases, you know, all the, all detailed treatments. There's so many options for treatment and in both, both courses. And it's certainly whenever we talk, I always like to share all the options. Uh, that's a, that's a big thing that, is a problem if you just think there's one way to treat something. Um, in, in fact, just a little sneak peek, I, I actually am creating a, a whole new conference that will be occurring in November of this year with completely brand new, totally alternative treatment approaches to SIBO that are totally off the beaten path, nothing antibacterial at all. So, um, you know, we, we just need to come at this in all different angles. So anyway, I give all the options for practitioners. And the main reason is in case you do have a tough case and what you're giving isn't working, I want you to have plan B, C, D, E, F. So yeah, it's a wonderful, wow. I, I'm very proud of it. It's a wonderful course. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I'm just, I'm just thinking back to when we talked about this years ago and it's just, it's so wonderful to see it actually come into fruition and how many more people will be helped because their practitioner has then, um, you know, learnt about this and learnt, you know, the A, B, C, D, E to Z um, variations around treatment. And I think that's one of the sad things I see is that I see people who, you know, they might have a methane-dominant overgrowth and they go to a doctor who's like, I'll just put you on a two-week course of rifaximin and that's it. And, and it's like, and they're saying to me, Rebecca, I feel so sick and nothing helped. I'm like, well, it's because it wasn't really the right form of treatment. And then this course can help educate practitioners around, well, why would you need to look at something else dependent on the type of SIBO the person has? 
I know. And these for us, these are the basics, right? So we just got to get them out to practitioners <laughs> and and patients. We, we got to get it to everybody. So they yeah. don't have these stumbling blocks and they can feel better. Exactly. Now, there's also some really exciting news and a new development that sadly is only available in the US at the moment. But what is it you were telling me before <laughs> we went live? And I was so excited. That's a good question, hey? I've got loads more just like this coming up after this break. We're back in a moment. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Now, there's also some really exciting news and a new development that sadly is only available in the US at the moment. But what is it you were telling me before we went live? And I was so excited. It's the fact that we now have breath testing, which is our, our main SIBO testing for hydrogen sulfide. So this technology needed to be invented. And it's been, Dr. Pimentel has been working on this for honestly, as long as I've known him. And um, some other labs have been too, but it's difficult. And it took a long time to get it figured out. And he finally did. And he's had uh, several studies. It's been in, this test has been in research for a few years. And he's had several studies come out using this test. And he's been able to find some new information. He's been able to find that hydrogen sulfide correlates with diarrhea, heartburn, and abdominal pain. So these are all very interesting. And anyway, the test is finally commercially available. So it's being um, offered by Jamelli Labs and so far only in the U.S. But I asked them about that and they said um, soon enough, you know, I don't know when. I wouldn't want to give a timeline, but in their future, they are um, going to be offering the machines to sell to practitioners to have in their office. And then that will allow it to go into other parts of the world because then local doctors can analyze that gas. The issue is shipping it long distances. It, it degrades over a certain amount of time and it has to be analyzed fairly quickly. So they haven't, you know, they just weren't able to work that out yet. So um, at least for us in the US, it's thrilling because uh, so far what the studies have shown is about about 25% of, of people they've been testing just sort of everyone who comes through their, their doors will have some hydrogen sulfide. So, you know, it's not the largest proportion, but I think where it really comes, comes into play is people who are having difficulty with, with their treatment. Things aren't working well. Uh, it's stubborn, it's chronic, um, or, you know, you, you thought you had a negative test, but it sure seems to fit like it's SIBO. And, you know, now you, you don't know what it is. It, well, maybe it was missed because we never tested for this gas because we couldn't. So previously, the way we would know if somebody had hydrogen sulfide is by a flat line pattern on a regular breath test. The flat line indicated no, no gas because all of 
in, in theory here, all of the gas was being converted to hydrogen sulfide and we weren't testing for that gas. So it just showed like nothing was there. And um, what I had learned from Dr. Pimentel and his research efforts, what they were finding is that that was missing the majority of people who actually had hydrogen sulfide. So we, you know, just the teeny percentage of people we could identify. So my, my excitement about this is think of all these difficult cases or whatever, like, like I'm going to do the test myself. I don't, I still have chronic SIBO, but I'm not a, like a really difficult case because I'm well managed in my symptoms and everything, and I'm I'm happy and, and productive. But I'm going to do it because I want to know. Well, do I have hydrogen sulfide? You know, I, I think so many of us want to know that. Like, let's find out. So I think that's what it's so incredible for. If if whomever's listening, if you have access to it, that is what I would recommend because that's your full that's your full proper assessment. Oh, and by the way, the test is called. Trio smart um, for three gases because it, it tests hydrogen, methane, and hydrogen sulfide. So right now it's available from Gemelli. Um, I believe uh, that I've heard through the grapevine that other labs will be following suit. I don't know when. So, but right now it's from uh, Gemelli, and I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. I just wish it was in Australia. I'll have to <laughs> bide my time and wait for it. But I think, you know, coming back to where we started this um, conversation uh, around is SIBO real, I think this will be great for those people who did a hydrogen um, or methane test and it came back as a negative and the doctor was like, see, I told you, you don't have SIBO. And the person's like, but I really feel like I do. Well, perhaps it was hydrogen sulfide SIBO all along and we just couldn't test it. And then this comes back to actually, well, yes, it is real. Now we can test for it. So that's exciting. Uh Yep. (laughs) And the other, uh, for me, exciting development that's new is the fact that if, if it's okay, I move on. Because I could talk yeah. about the hydrogen sulfide test a really long time. <laughs> no, I'd love it, to hear more about what else is happening in the world okay. of SIBO. There's, uh, finally, there's a study that came out from Dr. Pimentel. Those of us, you know, familiar with his work were eagerly awaiting it. It, it just took so long to come out. Uh, his research group, you know, for those for anyone who may not know, Dr. Pimentel is sort of like the leading researcher in the world on SIBO, which is why I keep mentioning him so much. We're all so grateful to him for all his advances. Uh, well, his team, they, they've they begun a large, well, for many years now, a large research project called Reimagine, where what they're doing is analyzing the small bowel um, for the microbiome and many other things. All the microbiome studies that have been, been done before were done on stool, which really only represents the very end of the large intestine. So, you know, people say, oh, the, the human micro, uh, you know, intestinal microbiome has been, been mapped. But Dr. Pimentel was able to publish and show that it hasn't because they didn't ever look at the small intestine. And part of the problem was that sampling um, bacteria from the small intestine is, is faulty. And so what he first did was he figured out a way to to be more accurate in the sampling. He had to change the methods of sampling, and he had to have that validated and show that this was an improvement. And so then he used those improved techniques to sample and has been getting all kinds of amazing information. But as it pertains to SIBO, they sampled SIBO patients, and they were able to get more bacteria now that were there and at deeper layers, like up against the lining of the, of the wall. And um, they were able to validate. So when, when they get that bacteria, there's a couple of ways they can analyze it. They can c- culture it out and grow it, 
where they can um, analyze it for DNA, um, like gene sequ deep sequencing, basically it's called. And they did both of those tests along with the breath test, the lactulose breath test, and they all three correlated. And that's really some of the first time that that's happened. And the main reason why is because the, the culture test was, was so faulty. And now that these techniques are improved, all three of these tests are lining up. And so this is this is a huge step forward in in proving that SIBO is real. I mean, he has been he has been able to prove it for years and years with all his studies, but this one is like irrefutable. And well, honestly, most of them have been irrefutable, but this is even more irrefutable. The problem with people who say it's not real is that they haven't read these studies. So they're not familiar with them. Um, that's that's the problem but he just keeps churning them out you know so this one is really really incredible it validates the use of the breath test that it accurately represents and diagnoses SIBO and also the condition itself and he was able to identify which bacteria are most overgrown in at least in hydrogen SIBO he already know, knew for methane um, and in hydrogen it's E. coli, Klebsiella and Aeromonas and that helps us because we can better target treatments although honestly the very treatments we've had this whole time, we know work on those. And he was you know, able to find out a bunch of other really interesting things like which bacteria correlated with symptoms. You know, he was able to find that the E. coli and the Klebsiella correlated with urgency in having diarrhea. And um, the Aeromonas, uh, well, I'm sorry, that was the Aeromonas, the, uh, the urgency and the Klebsiella and the E. coli with bloating. And finally, the last thing he was able to show is that the um, the hydrogen production pathways, the, the metabolic pathways within these overgrown bacteria were actually upregulated in the SIBO bacteria, in the bacteria living in the small intestine in the SIBO patients compared to healthy people. So he compared the difference and the bacteria were actually acting differently. They were making more gas. So because it's the gas that produces all the symptoms, the bloating, the diarrhea, and on and on and on, the pain, et cetera. So amazing. Wow. And <laughs> I mean, isn't it, it's so exciting. I remember saying, you know, when I first discovered about SIBO, um, I, that I was so excited for the studies and the research that were coming in the future and the more information that would be available to us in the future. And this study by Pimentel is just so interesting. Uh, uh, fascinating. <laughs> You know, I first saw that it was presented um, by one of their their team, uh, Dr. Leet, at the Digestive Disease Week conference. This is the big uh, uh, gastroenterology conference. It's where they put all publish all their important work for the year, and it's in June every year. And I, I was able to watch the uh, the presentation on video, and it was like they give them like 20 minutes at best, right? And she spoke so fast and. I was just like, my jaw was on the ground, like every other word. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, I couldn't believe everything they were finding. And then we had to wait basically a year and a half until it got published, you know? So now it's finally out. And Dr. Pimentel did tell me that this is just the first in a series. There'll be more articles from the work they did was immense. So. 
And this is where, you know, again, if your practitioner perhaps has been so busy they haven't kept up with the latest research that we can share articles like this if we feel, you know, comfortable or maybe we just go and find a different practitioner. But if we've got a good relationship or a reasonable relationship, we can always be like, hey, doc, there's this really um, exciting piece of work that's come out of the States or by Dr. Pimentel and his team. Um, Here's the link. And you know, sometimes we have to help kind of lift up our practitioners um, because they're so busy with so many competing demands. And if they're interested and they want to learn more, then they'll be like, yep, thanks so much. Um, or we just tell them to go and do Dr. Alison Seebecker's practitioner course and <laughs> that will oh, also help educate them. I'd love to have anybody. You know, um, I don't know how many of, of the people listening receive my quarterly newsletter, but that's another little thing. um, I just sent it out like a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, and I did put bullet points of what this what this article had to say. And you're welcome to just copy those. And then if you're emailing the article to your doc, you can say, look, here's what this showed, because what if they don't read the article, but they just read the bullet points, you know, (laughs) so that's another thing you could do. That's a really great reminder. I've been a subscriber to your newsletter for a long time. Um, and if you haven't yet signed up, you just head to SIBOinfo.com and you can join Dr. Alison Seebecker's newsletter there. And it is just jam-packed full of really interesting information and links to all the research and, you know, quick little summaries about what they say. So it's it's a great place to keep abreast of current research and, and current things in the life of SIBO land. Um Now, we've got just a few minutes left. Um, Thank you, everybody who has been um, putting in questions. I'll do my best to get through as many as I can. I don't know I'll get through all of them because there are a lot here. Um, But we'll we'll start working our way through these in the last few minutes that we've got with our call with each other. Um, And Rachel has asked, and I think this is a common question where people want to know the correlation between one condition and, and another. So she's saying, is there a connection or a correlation between SIBO and diverticular? Why, yes. In fact, diverticulitis is a cause of SIBO. So uh, for those who may not know, it's little like out, out pouches or pockets along the lining of the intestine. And it's more common in the large intestine. But if you imagine a little, a little pocket on the, on the edge or the, you know, the outer lining of, of the intestines, you can easily imagine how bacteria could could get in there and then just stay in there. And basically it's a localized pocket of SIBO. It's a bacterial overgrowth in, in that. But often many most people will have many of them, multiple diverticuli all over their intestine. And then they can have all these pockets of basically SIBO that generate symptoms. So it is a it is a primary underlying cause of SIBO when it's in the small intestine when it's in the small intestine. And in fact, one of the main mainstay treatments for um, diverticulosis is rifaximin. Why would that be? <laughs> and antibiotics, because there's bacterial overgrowth. So yeah. this can be potentially addressed with surgery, you know, the underlying cause. But yes, that's the relationship. Yeah, great. Um, so Bree has asked, you know, we've talked a lot about hydrogen sulfide. We're so excited that there's now finally a test you can do. But she's saying, well, how do I treat it if I come back positive? Now <laughs> I what? Know, I, know. I have all of that in both my courses, but I'm going to give you a brief summary. Um, because the uh, Because we haven't had the test yet, 
the treatments are very ad hoc. Every doctor who's you know focused on this has sort of developed some of their own. And so um, I actually share all of them because I talk to all my colleagues and um, you know, and everybody has amazing ideas. So Dr. Pimentel all along had recommended just treating it like you would uh, the regular SIBO with with you know either rifaximin for the diarrhea type or rifaximin plus neomycin or metronidazole for the constipation type. And then for the for the herbal antibiotics, we have a similar thing. We, we can use berberine, oregano, or neem for the hydrogen type, diarrhea type. <clears throat> and then you simply choose one of them and add allicin, or the product would be Alimed or Alimax Pro or something like that for the constipation type. And so he always did that. And I found out that uh, that has never worked for my hydrogen sulfide patients. So that's what he recommended. I found out that that has worked for Dr. Sandberg-Lewis and Dr. Weinstock and I think Dr. Kangura. So apparently I am the only one that that hasn't worked for. But I'll tell you what, it has caused me to dig and try to figure out what to do. So what I, what I found years ago in articles was bismuth. Bismuth can um, bind sulfide and and sort of like bring it bring it out of the intestines so um i have used compounded bismuth and you can also use it with an antibiotic or an herbal antibiotic and that has been very successful it's it's a little confusing as to what it's really doing is it really getting rid of the bacteria or is it just getting rid of the sulfide um i don't know i've had some cases that have stayed successful so maybe it is also getting rid of, of the bacteria. But uh, it's not always easy to get compounded bismuth, and that's a prescription. So I have, for many patients in various countries with little access, I have used things like Pepto-Bismol. Um, you know, where can we get them some, some bismuth? I don't like using that because it has aspirin. It has salicylic acid, and I don't really want to be dosing someone with that when they don't need it. It can, you know, it can uh, harm the lining of the stomach if you use too much of that aspirin. But I have had success with that. So it's sort of like you do what you need to do. For those people in the States, uh, Target, the, the store Target has a has one that's called Five Symptom, their own brand is called Up and Up, Five Symptom Digestive Relief, and it's basically Pepto-Bismol in a capsule. So then you don't have to drink the liquid that has all the sugar alcohols that could um, bother SIBO. So there's things like that. Now, one of the other things I found very successful is high-dose oregano, um, and this was an old blastocystis hominis treatment that came from the chiropractic world, and so the product I use is um, ADP. I don't really know what that stands for. It's by Biotics. This is just the, the one I've used, and it's um, five tablets three times a day for the first 10 days, so that's a, a lot, and then for the next uh, 20 days, you switch down to three tablets three times a day. That's worked for a lot of people. There's more treatments, but those are just some things to start you with. So I have, you know, whole lessons on this if you do wind up joining in with me. And I hope I hope people will come and come and join with me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I'll, I'll be sharing the link to the um, to both the practitioner and the patient courses uh, in the notes. So make sure you um, keep an eye out for that. Um, Maxime says, why does muscle weakness and restless legs occur with SIBO? And would the elemental diet be a more effective way of treating this than, say, the herbal protocols or rifaximin? So um, with restless legs, there's a, a definite correlation. Actually, Dr. Weinstock has done articles on this. And what we think it is, is um, 
a relationship with how SIBO can lead to anemia and, um, and, and restless legs occurs with anemia. And so we, we think that's the connection there. The muscle weakness itself, I'm not as sure about, but I, we have very good articles and studies showing the connection with, with SIBO and anemia. Um, and, and SIBO has all these ways in which it can create anemia and also chronic low ferritin. And these are some of the things we see improve on blood tests when we treat the SIBO. And in terms of what the treatment would be, um, I don't find that necessarily per condition like this, that it matters which type of treatment you do. Uh, I find them all to be equally successful. So, you know, we have pharmaceutical antibiotics, herbal antibiotics, and elemental diet. It's really a matter of matching that to the person. Um, but like, like if somebody had, you know, SIBO from diabetes or SIBO from diverticulitis or SIBO, uh, and restless legs, we wouldn't, we wouldn't need to pick elemental diet versus antibiotics or herbal antibiotics one over the other for any of, of them. It's more about the person themselves and what their history has been and what's going to be suitable for that individual. And the elemental diet is a challenge. Uh, if anybody wants to watch my own experience with it, I've got uh, my 14 days on the integrative therapeutics physician's formula dextrose free uh, that I, I vlogged my way through my 14 days. So it's on the Healthy Gut YouTube channel. And I shared everything, the highs, the lows and everything in between. I, I wanted to be really honest about the experience. And, you know, it's challenging. It's You don't eat for two weeks. That's really tough, <laughs> especially when you love food like I do. <laughs> you know, I've never done it, um, which is amazing that I have never done it. But um, and I love food. <laughs> so I, I, I eat a lot and a, a lot of often I eat. But I do just want to say that I, I do have patients that reported to me they did not find it challenging, which blows my mind. And it's like particularly it was people who, who find eating to be a nuisance and um, they're very busy. They often have like a lot of kids and, a, you know, intense job. And they're like, it was so great. I didn't even have to think about my meal preparation or eating. And I loved it. And I was like, wow, more power to you. <laughs> yeah, I must admit that was a really lovely side of it that you didn't have to think about food. You didn't have to cook. You like your washing up was your blender. That's it. And there was just I saved so much time. You didn't have to go grocery shopping, like nothing. It was just scoop, water, ice, blend, done. <laughs> so from that perspective, it is good. I, I missed the chewing. That was the thing I missed out of everything, the chewing. I wanted to chew something. So I would like sip and chew my drink just to give me something. It's well, not the same though. Really, really interesting. Um, you know, my, my, my partner in crime, so to speak, Dr. Samberg Lewis, um, he's always talking about chewing as, you know, as a digestive, you know, gastroenterology expert. And he says that chewing tricks your brain into thinking that you're safe. Isn't that interesting? Because it just, it's the way it, it puts you into parasympathetic basically. Uh, because when you are chewing, you're in digestion mode. And so it's actually a very healthy, good thing. And, you know, the more chewing, the better, you know, um, he, like many, of our elder gastroenterologists say we should chew our food into liquid, which is really impossible. I think we all know that, but they say we should try. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the benefits is that it really is good for our, 
our calming parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah, it really is. Now, this is an interesting question, and and I'm actually intrigued by this, so this is why I'm going to ask it. You might not know the answer, but let's see. So Joel says he does um, ileocecal valve massaging, so self-abdominal massaging, and he says he gets a wishy-washy sound when he massages that area. Is that a sign of relapse or poor migrating motor complex? I've never heard anyone. I've never had anyone ask a question like that before, and I'm actually intrigued. I love Do you it. know? I love it. And I missed one word. It was what was the R word? Was it, was it relapse or migrating Re- motor complex? He said, "Is uh, this wishy-washy sound around his ileocecal valve the sign of relapse or just poor migrating motor complex?" Well, if anything relating to the migrating motor complex, I think it would be a good sign. Because, um, but I can't, I'm drawing at straws here because, because the migrating motor complexes often does make noise and it, it can be associated with those, those hunger sounds, which isn't necessarily a wishy-washy because the, that's more, I, I think, fluid, you know, mm. but, um, noise is often a good sign in, in the intestines, but, but if it's a fluidy sound, that makes me wonder if the ileocecal valve might be uh, atonic and a little bit open, and then you're hearing, you know, you're hearing things move back and forth through it. This is just off the fly, I'm thinking of this. And if that was to be the case, then, you know, that can be a risk factor for SIBO. You want your ileocecal valve to be closed unless things are moving through it. So, um, but I'm going to keep this in mind and see if I, if I can figure anything else out about it. Yeah, I've, I haven't had anyone ask me a question like that before, so I was absolutely intrigued. Thank you for intriguing for both of us, Joel. That was really interesting. Um, and then we've got time for one more question. So Christina has asked, is there a co- connection or correlation between SIBO and vein compression, such as May-Therner syndrome? I do not know what that is. May-Therner? I haven't heard of it either, Yeah. I do not know what that is. So let me just ponder vein compression. Um, well, you know, what, what it brings to mind is a, a superior mesenteric artery syndrome. That's not a vein. It's an artery. But, uh, you know, basically if, if a piece of anatomy like that artery or potentially a vein um, is pressing on the small intestine in such a way that it's it's narrowing the opening there that can cause SIBO so without knowing anything about this syndrome uh, I can say if, if it has the potential to do that then that could be a connection because that's one of the one of the underlying causes of SIBO is compression of the small intestine itself and then we get uh, basically a, a log jam we get a obstruction bacteria can build up behind it and Superior mesenteric artery syndrome is rare, but I've seen, you know, five people with it. So as a specialist, so uh, that's a cause of SIBO. Yeah. Not not many people have it, but. But us SIBO folk, we're a little bit special. So we often have the more interesting (laughs) things out there. (laughs) We are. We are. 
We are. <laughs> Dr. Alison Seebecker, thank you so much for coming on to this Facebook Live and also the 101st episode of the Healthy Gut Podcast and the final episode of the podcast for season three. So a huge thank you um, because you came on at the start of the season and, and um, shared so much information around hydrogen dominant SIBO and methane dominant, um, now intestinal, intestinal methanogen overgrowth, as we call it. Uh, so if you you haven't listened to that do go back to episodes 83 and 84 and it's great to end out the season with answering that question is SIBO real and hearing more about your courses so thanks so much for coming on it's been a joy to have you back on the show oh I just thank you so much and thank you everyone for your interest and I really hope you'll find help with things that I share and that Rebecca shares and all of our resources for you. And I guess I would just want anyone listening to know who might happen to have SIBO that we have it too. And there's, there's good hope, right. For improvement. Yeah. Both Alison and I are those chronic cases where we've got, you know, other issues that mean that our bodies, we're not a once and done um, solution with our bodies, sadly, but we both live great lives. We both feel great. So, you know, just because we can have this kind of chronic case doesn't mean that there's no light at the end of the tunnel and 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 we're both testament to that so you know don't lose hope everybody regardless of where you are on the journey you can feel better and Alice and I are total examples of that I feel fantastic and I still have SIBO um, coming back every year so yeah you can still have a good life and it's definitely real <laughs> it's real I don't care what you call it we can rename it emo and you know all these divided into things it's a real condition that responds to real treatment and people can feel better. Yeah, it does. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you to everyone that submitted questions. I'm sorry we didn't get through all of them. There were so many. I'll do my best to go and respond to those that I can um, after the show. And I'll be sharing the links to Dr. Alison Seebecker's um, practitioner and patient SIBO courses. So check out the links for that. And if you're interested, you know, by all means, sign up. Uh, but thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I look forward to bringing you season four of the Healthy Gut Podcast sometime in 2021 until then i'll see you soon bye everyone you've been listening to the healthy gut podcast with your host rebecca coombs to learn more about the healthy gut or our podcast head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast we would like to thank Red Lemon Productions for the production and original music score of this podcast. To find out more about their services, head to redlemonproductions.com. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.